Good day and welcome to the Cincy Slangin' Bearcat Podcast. I'm Coomer, joined as always by Hummer. Hummer, what's up, buddy? When life gives you lemons, you turn them into peaches. It is a great day. The Cincinnati Bearcat football team will be playing in the Peach Bowl this weekend. We are excited. We also have what I think is a surprise. We have a a guest joining us today. And I think we're going to be talking about with him uh, something different, I think, than what you normally get from from a guest. It's a former player. We're not going to spoil it just right away, uh, but we're really excited. But either way, let's just get into it, man. What are your feelings about this game? Well, I do want to address the elephant in the room, and that's the fact that you do sound a little bit different. You do sound a little bit more robotic than usual, and that's because Hummer is currently in an undisclosed location somewhere in the southeastern United States. I don't even know where, but you're recording from a car. You're sipping on a probably twisted tea for all I know. Uh, got the Cincy slang and shirt on looking good. Hope you're relaxed. Hope you're enjoying your new year's, but, uh, let's just go ahead and acknowledge the fact that maybe the audio quality is not up to the typical standards of a Cincy slang and Bearcat podcast. Yeah. And it, while it's not a twisted tea, I actually, I actually was wanting to grab when I was in Cincinnati for the holidays, a Christian Moorline. Uh, beer knowing that they are i don't know if they're i don't even know what they're in limbo are they going to be continuing making beer are they not are they going to be doing another another label whatever i didn't want to risk it i didn't want to chance it let's grab some sipping on one of those right now luckily it's my only first one of the day so we're not going to get we don't have to get too crazy this this tonight luckily or (laughs) unluckily i mean sometimes it's nice to have a, a little bit of a loose hummer on the podcast but nonetheless Uh, Let's talk a little bit about what we've got going on this week. As you alluded to, we have a guest later in the show. Uh, We'll talk some basketball, but look, the basketball team doesn't deserve some time at this point over what we've got going on in the world of football. The Peach Bowl is this week, New Year's Day, 12 p.m. Eastern time, uh, Bearcats versus Georgia. Everyone's getting excited. Uh, press, Press row just happened, the equivalent of press row for the game, Kirby Smart, uh, Luke Fickle, everybody comment, you know, sharing their thoughts on how much they respect the opponent. Luke Fickle speaking highly of the Georgia team, calling it the best team that he has faced at the University of Cincinnati. I'd have a qualm with that. I would say that team, Ohio State, we played last season was quite good. But I get it. Both both coaches have plenty of interest in hyping up their opponent. One thing I've noticed, Tomer, and I think it's we're not uncovering uh, some hidden gem here, is the fact that. The Bearcats and the Bulldogs have incredibly similar statistical profiles in terms of what they're good at, what their strengths are. Georgia's coming into this game with the 21st ranked offense in the SP plus, but the number one defense in the country. Bearcats not far behind them at number two defensively. Interesting to see that this is going to be a very much a strength on strength game. Yeah, and it's it's curious what you're when you're talking about the defense. You know, hey, this is where we can finally say it, the defensive side of the ball. Oh. <laughs> yeah. This is where it makes sense, unlike in basketball here. Um, but when you look at – when you're diving into the numbers, what Georgia is good at is stopping the run, but what they're not good at is, is stopping offenses in the red zone. Uh, this is a game where I think we're going to have to see Ritter I, – I honestly – I'm not worried. That's just what I'm going to say it. I'm not that worried because – 
I was able to see Ritter come out against a very good Tulsa team and look crisp throwing the ball. And what I mean by it is like, yes, he didn't complete a lot of those passes, but I don't, I wouldn't put that on, on the fault of him. It was basically monsoon in Cincinnati. It's wet. You're still attempting to throw the ball, but all of his passes were on point. You know, they were incredibly catchable passes and we have the wide receivers that are capable of making these plays as well. I don't think we've gotten to see, you know, the showcase of our receivers too, what too much, you know, and so I'm really not, it just sounds weird to say that, but I'm not that worried just because I think the play of Ritter has improved to the point where I said earlier in the season, I think it, it what it needed to be, you know, Heisman esque, not that he's in the running for that, that particular war, but had he been doing, this all season it is a different conversation today if this is something that's been been happening all year yeah i think that the fa- we kind of alluded to this throughout the season but the bearcats team is not built on any sort of gimmicks this is not a this is not a hook and ladder uh we're going to beat you with fancy and creative play calling we don't necessarily have the athletes to match up with you kirby smart said himself he thinks it's one of the most talented wide receiver groups he's played against this season he's coming into this game having multiple guys opting out. And I know there's a lot of different differing opinions on are opt-outs helpful to Georgia? Do they hurt Georgia as an excuse? Is it a built-in excuse? Are we going to let it be an excuse? Regardless, Eric Stokes and DJ Daniel are the two of their top cornerbacks that have opted out of the game. Both are in Todd McShay's top 100 uh, for the upcoming draft. Also Monty Rice, another name uh, who's in that same top 100 that Todd McShay has out on ESPN. I don't necessarily think that's a reason it's not a built in excuse for Georgia, but it is obviously a way where, Hey, this team is much more vulnerable. And I'm talking about Georgia. They're much, much more vulnerable on pass defense. We know that if Ritter has one weakness, it can be his accuracy in the throwing game. It really, it does seem like it's just going to come down to can, can Des be accurate enough in this game to beat Georgia through the air? Because I think we are going to have drives where we're forced to do that. I'm not as as bullish on our just on us being able to impose our will on the defensive front of Georgia. So really, this may be the ultimate uh, the ultimate test example, the the case study in can Des Ritter's arm beat an elite college football team. And, and the key there is it's it's elite. And can he beat an elite team? And and make no mistake of it, this is an elite Georgia team. That is what three years removed from being in an af- in the national championship game. They are perennially year in and year out one of those rotating cast of of characters that are in contention or in the playoffs. Uh, and they're the type of school that's getting routinely four five star recruits. That even if they have these guys opting out, it's as Kirby Stamarta said, it's he it's better for them if they opt out. They would rather have guys that aren't just focused on getting to into the professional game. They'd rather have guys focused and hungry and motivated to play. And that's what he's getting. And the fact that the, their recruiting cycle, it allows them to just say next guy up. And it's similar to where fickle is getting the university of Cincinnati in a sense that, you know, we now are starting to get, you know, three, four star recruits, but it's, it's also getting to the point where it's going to be next man up. And, so this is an elite team. Like I mentioned, they've, they've, they've been, they've been in the, um, the national championship game within three years. They've played some tough games this year. You know, they t- took a, a drubbing against Alabama, but at this point who hasn't taken a drubbing from Alabama, have you played Alabama? If so, you've taken a drubbing to Alabama. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's the flow chart right there. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, but they they also took a loss to to Florida, which we know is suspect um, and is a fan favorite of the corrupt college football playoff committee. Uh, you know, but other than that, I mean, they're they're a, they're a solid squad, elite. It's going to be a great game, and it is going to come down to I think the the play of Desmond Ritter and more more likely his ability to get to keep Georgia guessing what he's going to do next. You know, we've seen Des being his best when he is running the ball early and often that dual threat ability of his is what is going to make this, um, I think break how quickly to make and open up the game's arm. I thought you made an interesting comment that I just wanted to highlight. And it's the fact that Georgia has a pipeline that is such where these opt-outs don't matter. They're not really an excuse for the program because they are loaded with talent across the board. They have that next man up mentality. I think fickle is it's very much in the early stages of having that, but that's what's exciting. If you're a Bearcat football fan is these last couple of recruiting classes. And then the classes you see coming in 21 and 22, then and the fact that they're already a top 10 class in 22, that's obviously going to change, but he's bringing in a different caliber of athlete than we're accustomed to. So that when you have injuries like a Wiggins, when he goes out, when he goes down, you have a sufficient backup where you can seamlessly plug that guy in and your defense is not going to see a drop off. I thought what we saw this season with the Bearcats is when our top premier defensive players went out, like when James Wiggins got injured, I know his status, I think, is still uncertain going into this game. When Elijah Ponder missed a game or two, we did see some, some, some softness in terms of what happened when those key players on the defensive side of the ball missed time. What Luke Fickle is building, and I think where we see ourselves heading long-term, is, is to a place where a one-man, two-man, three-man getting injured isn't the make or break. Because it's been a couple seasons now of – you know, if Wiggins isn't playing, the defense doesn't look quite the same. And that's a second team All-American. There's reason. There's a reason he's that. There's a reason that it hurts when he misses time. I think Luke Fickle's long-term vision for this program is that we can be much more in the mold of these top flight blue blood programs across college football uh, that the college football committee uh, so, so, uh, so greatly respects. He wants to, to see us reach that level. I did think it might have been a little bit of a, maybe a slap in the face of James Wiggins not being on the, the first team. I mean, it's a tremendous accomplishment to be on the, on the, on the second team. Don't get me wrong. I think maybe there's a little bit of a, a, a slight there considering the fact that he's probably one of the best cornerbacks um, in the league and, and should safeties. eventually, you safeties. know, should safeties, safeties. Yep. Um, should have, you know, should have some draft stock potentially there um, at that position. Yeah, I'm surprised. I was very surprised to see. I feel like I feel like everybody's is disrespecting us this year. <laughs> we definitely, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I thought one of the funniest uh, signs of disrespect to the Bearcats team was, and it's not that it's not that Marcus Freeman had to win the award, but there was uh, an award for top assistant coach in college football, uh, and I'm kind of I'm blanking on the name of it. I think it's like the Broyle Award or something, and they gave it to Sarkeesian from Alabama, which is just. I mean, that's, that's another example. Why? Of show. 
uh, yeah, Lane Kiffin, Sarkeesian, it doesn't matter who you plug in there, Zach Coomer, uh, we're going to crank it out with with amazing five-star talent. I mean, they've got two receivers. Who Lane, Kiffin get, Lane, Lane Kiffin got fired and Alabama made the playoff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really doesn't matter when you when you've got two of the top ten draft picks in the coming season playing at wide receiver, another Heisman candidate quarterback. Great job. What what have you tr- like? What difference? How is anybody assessing the difference you made in that role? Because honestly, the only way we would know you were any good that you weren't good at your job is if if they weren't clicking on all cylinders and lighting the world on fire. That's the baseline when you have Alabama's talent is lighting the world on fire. Yeah, I mean, we all know what Marcus Freeman has, has done. He's been instrumental for this team. It's and yeah, just talk. Why I don't I don't get what the college football world has against you know small co- and and I guess you know I guess I do know because we are guilty of this. I know uh, talking with some people when it came to Coastal Carolina and you know people wanting to give them oh let's put them they should be above the Bearcats no. No, they shouldn't. You know, they're they shouldn't in the in the reason not because they just lost that bowl game in the way that they lost it. Um, you know, there is a talent distribution between. You know, it's like I think there is a drop off to a certain extent between, you know, the American Athletic Conference. You know, where we brand ourselves as a Power Six or whatever, whatever, whatever branding. You know, the the marketing geniuses over there have come up with. But I think it is a sense of a little true of a story that, you know, if there is a playoff expansion, if there is this sex side where it says, hey, we're going to give a playoff spot to the winner of the group of five, more than likely, that is going to be coming from the American Athletic Conference. You know, there's a few outside teams, you know, a Boise State, but Boise State hasn't been good in, in how long. Well, uh, BYU is in a they group are, of five. They are a good team. Like I would be happy to see Boise State come aboard the American Athletic, which is is something that that's being rumored. Just on the football front, I mean, that would be a good addition to the conference. It would increase our depth and make us more viable. Like you've said before, I mean, frankly, it probably it, it, it kind of puts us in competition for the Pac-12 in terms of passing them up from a reputation standpoint because that conference is is regularly underachieving. Um, yeah, I think I think you make a good point. Look, people were beating the drama of Coastal Carolina above Cincinnati. They really didn't have a leg to stand on though, because Cincinnati had lost no games. Let's say the Bearcats t- took a loss this season. I don't think we would have much of a leg to stand on to say we should still be above Coastal Carolina. Like at that point, if a team has won 10, 11, 12 games and, and not lost any, like they should be elevated to a to a different stat- stratosphere. And especially if it comes with with wins over the likes of BYU and and they're and they're proving themselves. Like I don't. It's the same thing we faced where Iowa State lost two games, and one of them was to Louisiana. At that point, an undefeated Cincinnati Bearcat team has a much more impressive resume and should be ahead of you in the rankings. Uh, you know, nitpick yeah. here and there. It kind of doesn't matter. You've lost two games. They they have no business being above us in the rankings, and I think that is the biggest failure of the committee, the biggest failure of college football, and and. I mean, fingers crossed they do something about it. I'm not hopeful at all. I wouldn't hold your breath. There's going to continue being a bias against programs like the Cincinnati Bearcats. But all Luke Fickle can do, and it's the right thing, is elevate the status of the program by just proving everyone wrong. Continue to get the best talent. Continue to make 
our administration invest and believe and, and back the football program, like continue to put resources into our athletic department so that we can compete with the best teams in the country. I still think there's, we're coming up a bit short in that, in that area, but it's, I mean, Luke Fickle's doing everything you could possibly want from, from a leadership standpoint and guiding this administration. And, and frankly, I, I fear Hummer that we are way over leveraged in terms of relying on Luke Fickle and what he's doing on the football side of things. Uh, I, I don't have a lot of confidence right now in where everything else is in terms of where, what our athletic department is doing. Uh, great. I mean, that's a, that's a great point of, of Luke Fickle. And in, in my mind, Luke Fickle is the driving force behind any success that we're seeing out of the athletic department. And that's not to undermine the efforts of Marcus Freeman or any of the other coaches, strength and conditioning staff. It's just when you take a look at what's going on, you know, I think there's starting, we're starting to see some doubts in regards to, you know, John Cunningham, how he's been handling certain situations. Frankly, I think we're starting to see some, some red flags and some doubts about what John Brandon is doing with the, with the basketball program. And, but what Luke Fickle does, which is so far, it's so much beyond, in my opinion, being just, just a head coach. He, he wants to have his tentacles, his hand in everything, but trust the people that he hires or that are hired to do the job at which they are hired for. He's hiring yeah, the right people. He's hiring the right people. He's staying involved. He's making sure he has a grasp of it, but he's he's bringing the right people on board, but also caring about every single aspect of this team. Yeah, I mean, the perfect example is is you know the guy does TikTok videos, uh, but those TikTok videos. I think we might have talked about this. I don't remember. You know, we saw them at broken records sometimes, but those videos aren't for you and I. You know, that's not who they're targeting. They're not targeting, you know, 30 year old dudes who podcast They're they're targeting teenagers. They're targeting young adults and they're, they're it's, it's how you can expand, expand the brand to bring in some of these high level recruits because he's able to connect with them on a different level. Uh, but it, it's also with, he, I guess it's just hard to say he's, he's a brand ambassador. He's a, he's an all around package. If that makes any sense in, in the sense that when you think of UC football, you think of Luke Fickle hanging from the rafters and was screaming at the top of his lungs in right. excitement. Right. You know, that's what you think of. You think of him as a leader, the general on the field directing his troops in a, in a way not to oversell it too much because uh, I'm, I feel like I'm going to eat my words here maybe in a couple of years regarding a certain other coach I made a, a prediction about. Um <laughs> But he eludes some confidence of, of a la Bill Belichick at times, you know, just always there, always on the field, always having the right frame of mind and then ready to, to rally his troops when need be. He, he, he just seems to just, he, he's a, he's on field general for our team. He's a player. He's a guy that everybody can look to for answers. I think he's also holds himself accountable which is key too, when you hear these press conferences and he's talking about, you know, stuff that's on him. This is something that I failed at. This is something I need to do better at. So I really appreciate that when you're, when you're talking about Luke Fickle and his demeanor. And frankly, he, he runs his program just like a well-oiled well oiled machine. And it's greatly appreciated. Yeah, it's much needed. Um, you know, I'll, I'll try and kind of put my thoughts together in a way that's somewhat coherent. But the fact is that Luke Fickle, he, he's bringing everything to the table from an intangible standpoint. 
So much of college coaching, whether it be basketball, football, so much of it comes down to, are you able to get your players to be their, as close to the best version of themselves as possible, as frequently as possible, right? These are college kids. There are so many different directions they're being pulled on a day-to-day basis. Are they the best version of themselves in terms of where they're going to be in life? Absolutely not. But your job as a coach is to figure out, A, let's let's put some strategy together. Like, let's put these guys in the right spots and, and call the right plays and, and make sure we're practicing the right things. But ultimately, so much more of it is just inspiration, motivation. Am I, am I relating to my players? Am I getting them up for, for being excited about this program and, and repping this program and, and being their absolute best self on game day? When it comes to our football team, there is no question in my mind that we have the right guy for the job. When you look at how bought in these players are, look at the energy behind the team, look at the energy in these videos they put on social, these, these players are proud to be a Cincinnati Bearcat. And that's all you can really ask for. Like if you're a fan, if you're, if you're an alumni, you look back and you're just like, I am immensely proud of what the Bearcat football team is about, what they represent and who our leader is uh, in terms of what Luke Fickle is doing. And it's just a stark contrast to what we're seeing on the basketball court right now. And that's not to say that these guys, you know, especially the players, I, I know that they love the, well, before, before we get, before we get into the basketball segment here because you know that's what i'm not, I'm not taking it to the basketball i just want to say like I'm, I'm trying to put a bow on why i why i have concerns that it's so tied up in one man luke fickle is is the lone shining star for this athletic department right now because when you think about what the success of this team is and how absolutely unacceptably quiet john cunningham is with regard to the college football playoff committee uh you know jobbing us that's concerning. Like this is supposed to be the guy and, heading our ship. He is the captain of the athletic department and there, he's nowhere to be found. I, I don't know. In, much- in all the talk, all the, in all this talk that we heard about, Oh, well, you got to maintain relationships and, and not yada, yada, yada. All right. You know what? That's a load of BS. That's not, these guys aren't going to hold you back from you making a case to be in the playoff. Cause at the end of the day, if you're in the playoff, they want you in their conference. They yeah, want teams need, that can succeed like that. I don't, don't need, need to that. Kiss but here's, their ass. You don't need to kiss their ass in order to get in the conference. That's not what we have. That's not what your athletic director has to do, right? Like there is an in-between. There's a gray area between saying nothing, doing nothing, acquiescing to everything these athletic, these other programs want you to do or not say, and saying, look, what you guys are doing is wrong. Look at our accomplishments. Look at our resume against any of these other teams. Putting us at eighth in the final college football playoff rankings? That's BS. It needs to be called out. It is. We should be horrified. Like, our athletic director should be absolutely beside himself. He should be, he should have been speaking to anybody in the national media who would have listened. And instead, he was just sitting on his hands. And he's new to the job. He has not been in AD before. But I think it's fair if you're a fan outside looking in, I got questions. Like, what? What's going on? What's the plan? Um, and then in terms of what I was saying, in terms of tying it to basketball, all I'm saying is the missing piece on basketball right now is that personal, that personal touch, is the ability to rally the troops, get the guys you know, energetic, enthusiastic about the program, because the same, we don't have that same level of life right now in our basketball team. Well, you know, and I, we're going to comment on the basketball team here a lot. I'm going to drive this back to football because one of the things that I like, I want to point out about this particular game 
this particular matchup of Cincinnati, Georgia. We know what we have to do from a Des Desmond Ritter perspective offensively. We know what we have to do uh, from a defensive perspective. What I'm bringing into the game or what I'm taking away is that we have on our side, Luke mother fickle. <laughs> and we have a spread in this game of seven points with a money line of plus 220 going into, into for Cincinnati. Here's what I'm saying. This is free money. <laughs> take the bet. I'm not, don't bet your mortgage. Though. I don't want to be the reason why your kids. Don't no, don't, don't take our gambling but, advice, but let's put our money where our mouth is. Like, are we, are we about it? Hummer as a we podcast? Are. are we, are we about it? We're, we are. We're about this. Sports gambling is illegal in the state of Ohio. Any conversations you hear on this podcast between Hummer and myself about making a wager on the Cincinnati Bearcats and their upcoming Peach Bowl matchup with the Georgia Bulldogs are hypothetical. We're speaking hypothetically. Thank you. No, I don't, I don't, I actually, you're right, Hummer. We should end this on a positive when it comes to the football team. Incredible season. Bearcats in the Peach Bowl. Um, legitimately ready to compete against a top 10 Georgia team. Like there's no question that Georgia is one of the most talented teams in the country, that it's a prestige program, that it's an opportunity to really send a message to the entire college football landscape and to recruits far and wide saying, look, this is real. Like the talent and, and coaching and, and player development here at Cincinnati is absolutely legitimate. I think one of the reasons we didn't even touch on the fact that that Georgia for the last three games is touting the fact that they have a new quarterback and JT Daniels transfer from USC. That's the reason they, you know, if we had played this guy from the start of the season, we're in the college play football playoff, no doubt. Well, look, you know, he's played bumps. He has not been tested by a legitimate defense. Well, they have, they have to pass Florida first in, in the committee's eyes though, right? <laughs> Florida's locked in at number six or seven, no matter what they do. Florida could take a loss to the little giants and they're going to stay at number seven in the college football playoff rankings. So you're right. Georgia may have been SOL regardless. I would just say that um, I feel great about the level of player that and the caliber of player we have uh, on our defense. I'm, I just, I'm not concerned about it. Like I feel confident heading into this game that we have the ability to stifle the offense of Georgia but Hummer, it's time to end this, end this because we now have a special guest joining the podcast. We're doing this live. We're going to be joined today by Lenny Stokes to talk about the Cincinnati Bearcats basketball team, getting his thoughts on what he's seen so far this season. Got you back on the podcast finally. It's long overdue, sir. How, you, how have you been? I've uh, been better, man. Been better, man. <laughs> oh, that's not good. That's I, mean, not... <laughs> the, the, I mean, I mean, you know, we got, we got, you know, we got the world as it is. Things are getting better with that. But um, I would be, you know, UC football is doing great, but our basketball has got to pick it up a little bit, man. So. Well, we just wrapped up actually chatting about the football team a little bit. Are, have you been following along, enjoying the the spoils of such a great football program? You know, we we've been kind of banging the drum of getting robbed and the college corrupt football playoff committee. Uh, you know, keeping oh, yeah, us yeah, yeah. out of our rightful place at the number four team with the right to play the the force that is Alabama. But I'm still I'm still geek for this this Peach Bowl. <laughs> so listen, I am true and through UC, right? So, and I'm a Buffalo Bill. I'm from Buffalo, so we'll get to that later. You know, our Bill. So 
You know, I, I think that we got robbed. I mean, it's, it's, it is unbelievable, man, the power of the power five, because we should be in that playoff. We should oh, be. We, absolutely. We, we, we should be. Uh, so I, I think it's very unfair. But again, you know, they, they view us the way we view us. And what, you know, I think what Coach Fickle's going to tell those guys is what I would tell them is like, hey, they view us as this. We're, get, we, we're getting ready to play a powerhouse. Let's go out and have a great showing. And, you know, let's compete. And, you know, that I think that'll be a feather in our cap if we can uh, if we can pull that that win off. Right. I told Kimmer we're we're taking the money line on that bet because it's free money. The Bearcats are going to dominate. Uh, there, there's no question in my mind. Uh, Fickle, the general out there, he's, he's like the, the perfect example of a leader that you want. Uh, so, yeah, we're 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 taking the we're taking the house's money here. Yeah, for sure. I, I would uh, if I was a betting man, I would do the same. I think we're going to have a good performance man i think our, our guys are on the roll they're playing ve very well the confidence is there i like the football program i love where it is man I, I you know i think fickle's done a very great job of getting us into um in, into contention man so kudos to him and the staff over there man is there any sort of rivalry between basketball and football programs like when you attended uc there was no question as to who the big dog on campus was like you yeah. guys are the ones who could walk around just knowing that there's nobody who's a bigger deal in terms of athletic uh, where, where we stand, like on the totem pole, we are, is it the top or the bottom? Where's the, where's the prestige place on the totem pole regardless. So I think, I, 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 so I'll give you a little ins insider, right? So football guys, right. We, we, so we go back, we say basketball guy, football guy, right? So one, one V one, right. You got the basketball guy who's very visible. You don't wear a helmet. You, you, you know, you're playing in the games. Everyone on campus knows who you are because, you know, they see you football guy can be an all, you know, can be a great player, but until someone says, Hey, that's him. No one really knows it because they wear a helmet and they're not that visible. So for us, I think our responsibility is a little bit different because, you know, you, you can, you can get in a little trouble because people know who you are and you're doing something and you're visible where the football guy can kind of hide it until someone says, Hey, that's such and such. But, you know, we, we got along very well with the football team while we were there. Antoine Peak walked on. I mean, I talked to Antoine yesterday. I mean, so we still have a good rapport. Even Travis Kelsey. Travis is a great guy. Love what he's doing. You know, he was a younger guy, but still paid homage, man. So I, I'll tell you a Travis Kelsey story, man. I was in a nightclub one night in Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, uh, they bring over a bottle of Ace of Spades, which is a very expensive kind of a champagne this jay-z champagne they bring it over to my table i had a section and i said hey hey i didn't order this this thing's about 1200 bucks <laughs> they say no he did i look over it's travis sticking his tongue out laughing man laughing man but he's him and jason are great um connor barwin i mean so any of those guys who make it we all you know we're all bearcats through and through so we all try to support each other man and you know it's great for me to text those guys they text back because i'm older Man, but I just I just love the camaraderie that we all have and the family that we all have with each other. I love I love that. I, I love that it's not, it's not one generation either, right? Like you're in touch no, with these not. guys and have the relationships across uh, across decades. Frankly, I mean, there's guys all over the place there. Who's hey, way to age me. Way to, way to age me too, pal. Because I, I just had a conversation <laughs> with my daughter. I just told my daughter, here's here's how my life has went. My life has went 18 year old, 19, 20, 21. Hey, take a picture with me, Lenny. And then now it's. It used to be, hey, Lenny, take a picture with my son. Now it's me taking a picture with the sons now. So I've been three generations in, in, into this. <laughs> I mean, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't surreal the first time we talked to you and thinking, you know, 
what what sixth grade Zach would be thinking right now that he's talking <laughs> to Leonard Stokes on a on a podcast. So not to make you feel any worse, it was it hey, was man. you know one of those life great life moments for me. Um, I, I do love though the guys you listed, and I want to get into our team, but the guys you listed, those are all guys who can think they can they think they can ball. And I don't know that that every basketball player thinks of themselves as someone who can can play football. It's no, no, very no, much no. going one direction. Is there a, a former football player who jumps out the most to you in terms of being able to 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 play at the who high level basketball wise? So, I, so I'll tell you. I'll give you one better. I'll tell you who always to me um, was just meant the world to me was uh, the football guys that came to basketball, especially the Bob Huggins era. Um, you know, we're in practice. This thing was torture now. Three hours of hell every day. And, I, I mean, I would look at these football guys like, man, he, he, you know, Antoine Peake, you know, a lot of these guys, I would say, man, what are you guys? You guys don't have to be here. <laughs> so that shows a level of toughness. But the walk-ons, John Meeker, I looked at John Meeker one day. Huggins was running the hell out of us one day. And I looked at Meeker during this, you know, this, three-hour hell of a practice, I looked at Meeks. I said, hey, man, what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> like, you can go be a regular student, and you can live a great life. You're in here for three hours a day for this, but, you know, he's doing well in life. It shows his perseverance, but, I mean, those guys had those guys had the, the, the fortitude, man, to come over, and, uh, and, and, you know, we were on scholarship, so to us, it was, you know, you want it, you got to be out there, but, you know, Meeker was a walk-on, Antoine Peake, a lot, you know, Connor Byron, a lot of these guys just came to that side. But I mean, that shows their resilient, their, their resiliency to push through, man, because they didn't have to be there, man. We're going through three hour tough practices, man. And those guys showed up. But that's why the brotherhood for us and all of them are is still there because we watched each other go through, you know, those wars, man. And we always were in a foxhole with each other. So we have a friend. We have a friend with Connor Barwin. Uh, when you were talking about how well, you know, they wear a helmet, you don't necessarily know who they are right. um, until you point them out. Well, yeah. Connor Barr one time walks into, I think it was, was it Max? Correct me if I'm no, wrong. No, it was, it was Hol either. Holy Grail. It was Holy Grail. Holy Grail. Holy Grail. The was, old Holy Grail. Oh, on campus. The one on yeah. campus. The, the one, one on campus. campus. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> Connor Barr one, I guess, was with, he was having a really good night. Just walks into the bathroom. There's a whole line to get in. He's like, nah, just out of my way. Goes <laughs> right into the bathroom and just starts taking us in the sink. <laughs> Connor is a Connor is a great Connor's a great guy, man. Had a great, great career, man, but just a great. I mean, I will see Connor tomorrow. He's Lenny, what I mean, but that's the Bearcat tradition. That's the way we do things, man. And that's why I love, you know, I love, I love our school, man. I love our university, man. Well, look, that you're right. Uh, that is the Bearcat tradition. I can tell you what's not the Bearcat tradition, and that's starting a season two and five on the basketball court. When sure. we spoke to you a little bit over a year ago, Hummer was putting John Brandon in the Hall of Fame. He was already starting to build the, the statue. He was at least getting drawings for it. He was figuring out what, uh, when we were going to start erecting that thing. Now here we are. We're two and five. Um, the, the latest news is that, that Mamadou Diara has rejoined the basketball team. Mm -hmm. uh, Rapalus Ivanowskis has apparently left the team, uh, mm -hmm. which would be two years in a row. We've had a, a transfer, a one-year grad transfer, leave the, the program mid-season. Yeah. Let's kind of just keep it broad here to start. What What are your impressions on what is going on so far this season, starting out two and five? So what jumps out to me is, um, you know, I haven't, 
you know, and I'll be honest, I haven't really dialed in. Um, you know, Damar Johnson, Kenny Satterfield, those are my brothers. We're all in the group text. We talk every, I mean, these guys are texting me now. We talk, we joke, uh, laugh all day. Um, those guys were at the Crosstown shootout. I'm in Columbus now uh, for my business, um, but I'm kind of back and forth, so I wasn't able to, to join. Um, but just watching the games, man, we just – we got to get a little tougher, man. We got to get that, 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 the, the, the Bearcat swagger, the Bearcat toughness is just not there. Um, and it just, it seems like, you know, we've got, you know, the vultures are circling the wagon, man, because we're not as tough as we used to be. I mean, going down to Georgia, that's a game where, you know, we're playing the SEC school. We got to go out national TV. We got to show and oppose our will. And we just haven't done that, man. And, you know, we, we we got to get tougher. We got to bring that Bearcat toughness back, and I think that's what we're 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 missing. I think we're missing that uh, in a major way. It, the toughness thing. So it feels like when you consider that we have, let's say, three decades now. Prior to John Brandon coming on, we had about three decades of Bob Huggins, one year of Andy Kennedy, uh, and then a bunch of Mick Cronin. You sure. got we were a, reckon, recognized as a tough tough program every year every year we were tough which does tell me that is something and, and you can correct me if i'm wrong it does seem like toughness and 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 intimidation you know intimidate dominate celebrate that mentality that's something that can be coached and taught to an extent right i would agree i, w- I would agree with that and i think that's where um you know coaches and i love brendan to death you know i text him i say hey you know we're former player we're, we're all here in support of you whatever you need help with and he's great with us but he's got to start, and you know I don't want to tell him what to do with the job. But when those guys mess up, they've got to they got to fear the consequences of, hey, if I don't box out or get this rebound and this guy gets it, I can come out of the game. You know you can't, you know for lack of a better term, you can't have the inmates running the prison, right? Like these guys can't call the shots. The coach has got to call the shots, and I think he's doing a great job. But I think he's got to get a little bit tougher on uh, on on those guys, man, in order to push through but the, the the problem that he's having and i talked talk, talk to coach hugs the other day about this is just a generational difference of where we are with with the kids and what you can do and what you can say is a lot different because i'll tell you what man like you know <laughs> some of those practices we went through with, with, with huggins in this day and era this day and age in this era they would never fly man so you know you, it's a it's a thin line you're walking i mean if you look at across the landscape of college basketball Kentucky's not having the best year either, right? Like, I mean, they're struggling. They've had some guys leave their team as well. Um, so I think you've got to find that balance as a coach. But I do think we've got to – he's got to instill that UC Bearcat toughness. And I think once he does that and he gets his – you know, he gets into a groove, I think he'll be okay. But I think it's going to be tough if he doesn't insert himself as the leader and as the alpha male and as the dominance of this program. I think he has to do that. It's you mentioned the the kind of the generational change that you've seen from back when you played to now the current athlete. I think one thing that is much more common than maybe when you were were playing at UC is the transfer portal and the number of players that can enter said portal. Um, how do you see like do you see that as one of the biggest challenges for Brandon is to continue to keep everybody bought into the program despite the challenging season, knowing that hey we need we're gonna you stick with it you fight through it. And we're going to build this thing better than it was. Cause one thing Hummer and I have talked about is there's no recruits lined up for next season. Yeah. You know, there are going to be some openings, but again, 
when you're when you're banking on transfers, we've seen the challenge of this. These guys don't have sweat equity in the Cincinnati basketball program. You're, you're, it's easy to bounce. So so how do you how do you keep people bought in and not jumping ship, especially when you factor in the generational uh, you know changes in mentality? Yeah, I think um, you you got to be in tune with the recruiting. You got to understand who's who and what's what. You got to use your alumni base. Um, that's what those other great schools do. You know, if a kid's coming out of Buffalo, hey, Lenny, who's a kid? You know, hey, this is the guy. You know, hey, Demar Johnson. I know DC's a hub. You know, Satterfield. You know, you gotta you gotta use that that alumni base. But then, uh, I think it's tough when you go after these fifth year guys because, like you said, they're coming from a culture which is already embedded in them, and you know they're coming to a program. And if I'm a guy who, who's a sophomore or junior and it's my team or I'm kind of the guy, the next guy in line. And then we bring a fifth year guy in from another program who's got this mentality. It's going to be very tough to break him out of those habits that he's been in for four years with another coach. So I think that's a tough way to, to make a living with that type of product to bring into a program. I think you gotta, you know, you gotta start from the ground up. You gotta build the foundation let that foundation, I mean, if, you do, if you're building a home, right, you're building a house, you got you to gotta start with a solid foundation. And then you can build this home up as many stories as you want because it's going to be solid in its roots. And I think we got to get solid in our roots, man. You can't bring in those type of guys in order to fill the gap because those guys don't care. And as we've seen for the last two years, we've had guys that left because they don't need it. Those guys are there to play an extra year of sports, and if it gets too tough or they don't like it, they can just say, hey, I'm out of here. To hell with it. And I think the younger guys who are going to put that equity in, who can build the legacy of the program and who can set the tone, I think that's what we need to lock in and focus on. I mean, I think back to Huggins, and, and you yeah. can kind of provide some context for this or some more insight. He didn't necessarily thrive on transfers, but he did bring in a lot of junior college players, and he did so successfully. Like some of the greatest Bearcats, uh, you know, you know, you think of with Van Exel, with Pete Michael when you were when you were on the team back your freshman season. Emmanuel, Emmanuel McElroy, one Emmanuel of my best McElroy. friends. I mean, me, me and Mac were two wing guys that that did it together. I learned from Pete Michael, but the difference is in those guys is that <clears throat> junior college guys usually come in with a chip on their shoulder because they have been discarded a little bit because they didn't either get the grades or get recruited out of high school. So they're then coming in, they go, they prove themselves and then they have two years to prove themselves, get their degree, work on themselves. And they become entrenched with when Emmanuel McElroy came to UC, he was a year older than me, but I didn't feel as if Emmanuel was coming in to just coast or go through the motions. I felt he was there and he was going to be embedded, and he was going to work hard. When you have these fifth-year guys, these guys already have degrees. They really don't need to be there, right? They, they, they've already – they're already one foot in, one foot out. So, as we've seen, the one foot out usually is reign supreme thus far, where they, yeah. hey, we don't like it, we're out of here. And you can't do that. If you're going to bring in junior college guys, bring those guys in because they've got a chip on their shoulder, they've got something to prove, and they're going to be there for two years at a minimum. These other guys already have, you know, they they already have what they need. They're just coming to play an extra year to try and get more exposure. But if they're not getting the exposure they need, or you know, or they feel that they're being held hostage, they're just going, they're just going, they're just going to bail. 
that's that's actually a great explanation as to the difference between a, a grad transfer versus a uh, the junior college transfer or even a David DeJulius, right? Like David DeJulius is coming with two years left and he's going to be here for two years. You don't really have the uh, the flight risk that Jason Rolla exactly. or Rapalus Ivanowskis have. And, and I imagine Huggins and other coaches, you want to put a lot of thought into the type of personality you're bringing. How does it fit with the foundation I have? Does the personality mesh? Is this the profile of not only, you know, skill set wise, but personality wise that we need on this team? For sure. And I, I agree with that 1000%. I think a lot of that has to go into it. And I know, you know, Brennan's in a, in a tough spot where he's coming in and he's got to put body, you know, he's got to fill slots with bodies. Um, but I think, you know, he, I think he'll figure it out, man. And it, 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 it's like that. I mean, Mick's first couple of years, he struggled. And then he, he turned it around. He figured it out. But we've got to get an identity um, as a team. And I think that's what we're lacking. So even if we're going to go down, let's go down fighting. Let's go down with that identity as to where we're, we're going to say, okay, two years from now, we're, we're, we're going to be fine. We're going to, you know, we're going to man the ship, man. But I think it's very tough to build off of those transfer guys from the portal because they just don't, you know, they just don't pan out, man. They just don't, they don't have, the hunger or the want nor the need to, you know, to, to, to be there and, and buy into the system. I wanted to ask, um, well, the debate right now is style of play. Like, are we going to lean into going to this, this big ball uh, where we're kind of running things through Chris vote, trying to play uh, more, put more emphasis on our size or you've seen it in the closing minutes of a few games when the Bearcats have trailed by maybe 10, 15 points or so. They've gone to a very small ball lineup, pressed, mm -hmm. kind of leaned on the length and the athleticism of the guards and, and Tari Eason. If if your coach were putting put the coach cap on on Coach Stokes here, how how would you what tweaks would you make in terms of style of play or how would you play uh, with the current roster construct? So for me, I you know I'm a student of the game, so I can watch the game. So what I see with vote is a lot of teams. If you watch the games when he's in the games, a lot of teams will on the defensive when he when we're on the defensive end, they're going to put him in a lot of pick and roll situations to keep him away from the basket. And then on the other end, when he posts up, they just double and triple team him. So for me, I would do a mix of, you know, that high tempo. I actually like the high tempo um, press, get after it. I think those guys play to that, um, you know, as we saw at the end of the um, the Georgia game. You know, we we pressed. We got after it a little bit. We competed, you know, and I think that uh, I think I like that style of play for us. I think, you know, it's tougher to um, walk the ball. I mean, for us, right, like if you look at my teams when we were there, we were always number one in the country field goal defense and, and defense, because if you give us time to get set on our end, you're dead because we know all your sets. We're going to rebound. We're going to be we're going to be feisty. You're not going to have a chance if we have time to get set. So what teams would do was they would play quick against us in order to get into a scramble situation to kind of keep us off beat. If you give these teams in this day, there's too much intelligence, there's too much data, there's too much analytics to just come down and walk the ball down in basketball these days. Unless you've got some physically dominating guys, then it, you, you're just in a you're just in a tough spot. So I think playing that up tempo, up and down game, pressing, run and jump, scramble. You know, I think that plays into our part. I like that. I like that style for us. It seems like they've also it's made the team more energetic and more lively, right? We've talked about maybe the the lack of toughness. 
I would say there's just a lack of chutzpah on the court. And I'm probably pronouncing that word wrong, but it's just, they're not, they're not the ferocious, tenacious teams that you're used to watching. And that's what you, and maybe part of it is, I mean, you could tell me, but COVID is definitely wreaking havoc on the season. Like it's impacting different programs in different ways. And there's no crowd to feed on like that. Let's to be fair to Brandon, to be fair to the athletes, that certainly is a change, right? Like there's not the same intensity in the stadium itself, but I do think the press and maybe a more up-tempo style of play is going to get a better, I don't know, energy out of the team that said they have to stop fouling. Yeah, you got to stop fouling, and, and, and we got to stop turning the ball over as well. I mean, we turn the ball over at a very high clip. Um, so, you know, but those things, again, those are discipline, disciplinary actions, right? Where you've got to be locked in, you got to be focused, and you got to be disciplined to not turn the ball over because every time you throw the ball away, that's a chance that we had an opportunity for a shot or rebound offensively to get a second chance shot or even a third chance shot. So you can't turn the ball over. So we turn the ball over way too much and we foul way too much. Um, but those are disciplinary actions, right? Like the discipline, the teams that are disciplined and that are locked in don't turn the ball over and they don't foul. I mean, I remember, you know, in our days, it was you don't want with under five minutes left in the game and the game's tight. You don't want guys shooting one and ones or in the bonus because you're you, it's tough to come back at that point if you're down. You know, you can you can file to stop the clock or stop the game, but if you got to file, you know, a guy who's a 90% free throw shooter to go to the line, you're just giving the team two points, you're just you know buying time. So I think we got to get more disciplined in that in that fact as well of not turning it over, not filing as much. If you had to give some early season because uh well what are we we're, we're 40 are we 40 percent of the way through the season did we or we were 10 we were 10 through no, we're, um but if, if you had to give some some of the 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 mvp or the the johnny hustle awards uh you know who are you looking at on on this team so far that you're just you're you're really impressed with what you're seeing from them on the court I, I mean, we 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 got to pick it up, man. Like I, I'm not. I mean, we we have to pick it up as a team, as a team. I mean, Keith is Keith is a guy, you know. Volt's a guy. Those are seasoned veteran guys who you know should be stepping up and playing well in big game situations. Um, you know, and I love those kids. I love I love them. I think they're going to do well. But we've got to, you know, they've got to be put in better situations to do better. And I think they will. And again, back to, you know, back to what Zach said is, you know, you're, it, it's, it's a trying time. I mean, you look at the elite programs, they're struggling too because, you know, you're going through COVID, you know, guys may not have been able to work out as consistent. So, I mean, these guys are college, you know, students, so we don't want to put too much pressure on them. Um, but, you know, we, we, you know, you got to find a way, you got to pick it up and we got to be better, man. You know, this is, this is, you know, this is beneath us, this, this record that we have right now. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it, it, I think Keith has been it's almost like it's it, it goes in spurts of who's doing it or who's who's the guilty party in this case. But you'll see these mental lapses where, you know, Keith at the beginning of the game, if he misses a, you know, a, what should probably have been an easy shot for him or something, he'll, he'll come back and just do it like a lazy reach in foul. Or yeah. you'll, you'll get these lapses from Tari where, you know, he makes this great defensive, you know, poke and he, he takes the ball and he's running down the court but then he just you know he, he dribbles it off his knee or his foot um you know we we show these like these times where it's like there's some absolute brilliance uh you know in, in these spurts 
you know, I love, I tell Coomer, one of my favorite players to watch right now is Mike Saunders. I think he's going to be electric as, as, yeah, he, as he grows. Uh, uh, he's so fast. He's so good at keeping defenders in front of him too. And he's so good at working through those picks. Uh, Jeremiah Davenport, I thought it's just been his energy. He's, he's been a player that I think that he, a lot of people slept on at the beginning of the year, you know, not really knowing where he was going to fit into his role. And he, he's really, you know, shined. Um, I'm actually excited to see Mamadou come back too. Um, yeah. I actually like, I like, I like, I, I like, love Mamadou. I, like, I, I love, yeah, I, like, I love I like that Mamadou we're getting Mamadou back. Yeah. I like, I like Mamadou a lot, man. So, it, it, you know, it'd be good to get him back, man. But again, the, you know, those mental lapses you see, you didn't see those mental lapses from, you know, the likes of a Steve Logan or, you know, these guys, because you know what happened when Steve Logan was younger and he got in the game and had a mental lapse, the horn would blow. And you're going to go sit over there for three or four games and think about <laughs> why you're not playing. And I think we got to get, you know, we got to get into, you know, back into that mode to bring that toughness back. And I think Brent, I think Brennan, I love Brennan to death. Don't get me wrong. I, I love him. Great coach, great pedigree, great, you know, just the history of him and his family with, with athletics. Basketball is great. So I think he'll, I think he'll be okay. Um, but again, tough climate. You know, with COVID, things like that, man. But but I think he'll 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 be fine. I think he'll get us to where we need to be. Honestly, the the trajectory of Keith Williams' career does have some parallels to what you went through in that you had time playing next to Steve Logan, a guy who was ball dominant, alpha, leading scorer, kind of playing in that 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 pip and roll to Logan during his senior year, and then transitioning your senior year to being the guy. And that's yeah. pretty much what Keith is doing, moving on from playing next to Jaron Cumberland, very ball yeah. dominant, high score, high usage. And now Keith is being kind of forced into that role. You know, as a guy who went through it yourself, what would be the advice? How does how do you how does he kind of turn it around from the tough start? So I think um, so for me, you know, playing along Logan and the rest of those guys, I mean, I think prior to my senior year, I scored 30 points seven times in my three years prior to my senior year. So my first, my first game, my senior year, I scored 26 points in a row and we beat like Northern Tennessee and we played Marquette. And this was a wake up call for me because I came off a of pick and roll with Max Seal and they double teamed me. And Dwayne, Dwayne Wade looked at me and said, you're not going to pick and roll us tonight. <laughs> We're going to force you to throw the ball back over here. So have a, a long night for you, Lenny. I mean, because me and D-Wade had a good relationship. We would talk. And he was trash talking to me at that point. But, I mean, you got to trust in your guys. You know, it's a lot different coming off that pick and roll, throwing the ball to Steve Logan, as it is coming off that pick and roll, throwing it back over to Teron Barker. Big yeah. difference, right? Big difference, right. Yeah, so, I mean, that plays into it. But I think Keith is talented enough from his side to figure it out. Um, and I think he will. You know, we're still early in the season. Um, but I think he'll, I think he'll, he'll, he'll get it together and figure it out. And again, there's a lot of, you know, normally in the, in the perfect climate, we would be able to come into practice. We could talk to these guys. We can show them things like every other program could do Co with COVID pending. It's tougher to have those interactions with the kids and everyone's going through that, you know? And again, back to Kentucky as an example, they're struggling big time. I mean, they're struggling big time, but love to when see you it. have that, yeah, I do too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm, I love it too. <laughs> But in order to kind of see, you know, th these programs with these legacies, you know, they're used to former guys coming in that brings the energy level up. Everyone wants to compete because the older guys are in. You want to prove something. And I think it's just 
you know, it's like they're playing pickup ball over and over daily, man. So, you know, we'll, 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 you know, we'll continue to monitor and see what happens. But again, I have faith in Brendan. I, I, I love him. Um, you know, I think Keith will, will turn it around and, uh, and, and, and push. Well, you know, we got to turn it around quickly here. So, you know, this season is, like Hummer said, I think it's like a, just over a quarter done. Um, yep. I think our goal the rest of the season is really just to see better basketball, see, sure. see more competitive basketball, see them embrace a certain style of play, uh, improve sure. on the turnovers, improve on the foul rate. And, and I think that'll, that'll send us into a good positive direction for the, for the future seasons in sure. terms of a new coach establishing a new style of play and a new culture at a program, you know, how do you, what kind of timeline are we looking at there? Like how long, what's a, what's a fair amount of time to see a coach really get his get his fin- fingerprints and, and, uh, and kind of his own impact on that school? Um, I think you give him two years. I think two, three years is, uh, I mean, Mick, Mick went through it when Mick got there, man. But again, different times, different circumstances. You know, COVID's out here. This is real. So there's a lot of, you know, you, know, you, you got guys in the gym, guys for workouts. This whole dynamic has changed. You got to be a lot more careful. So, you know, we got to take that into account too, man. But, um, you know, I think, I think, I, 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 I believe, man, I believe in, I believe in Brendan 1000%. Um, you know, he did a great job last year and, you know, this year I think it's a little tougher with barring the circumstances, but I do think he's a great coach. And, you know, if it was me, if it were me, I would be a little more tougher on the guys, man. And, uh, you know, when, when, with that, establishing that bear cat toughness. I love it. Well, look, speaking of believing and, and believing in their, in their future prospects, I want to give you a chance here to talk about how much you believe in the Buffalo Bills this season. If you're looking for that elusive title, that Super Bowl, Josh Allen's on fire. Stefan Diggs, you guys oh, going to take this man. thing? You're going to, you're going to go win it all? Listen, so I'm, I'm glad you asked me that, man. So I've been on a, on, on a great tear about my Buffalo Bills. <laughs> you know, we, 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 we stomped Pittsburgh. That was a great win for us. Um, so we're, we're in our groove, you know, we early on, we lost Tennessee really embarrassed us, but, you know, we, we had some guys down due to COVID, but uh, I don't know, man. I, I think we're in a strong consideration, man. But uh, I'm 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 a realist about things, man. It, don't, <laughs> the Kansas City, get hurt. The, the video the video game of the Kansas City Chiefs is unbelievable to me, man. <laughs> so, um, you know, if we if we lose to those guys in a, in, in a close Super Bowl game, I'm okay with that. But uh, I really believe in my Bills this year, man. Um, great job by Josh Allen. He doesn't turn it over great leader gets us down the field and puts us in great positions. Um, I, I love everything he's doing. Great receiving core, great defense. So I'm, I'm tuned in. I'm locked in. I'm dialed in man, with our bills. Allen is pretty amazing in terms of how big he is. He's fast. He can throw the hell out of the ball. It, yeah. it really, it was, it was the turnovers. Like if he could just reduce the turnovers and be a little more accurate, that's sure. happened this season. And all of a sudden you're seeing yeah. the results. Yeah. I think he learned last year. You know, we, we had a good shot last year. We lost. Um, we lost in the, you know, the, the game prior to, uh, for playoffs. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, I, I, I like where he is. I like the direction he's taking us. And I think if we can, you know, continue to add pieces around him, I think we're going to be good, man. But, uh, first division wins since 1995. I think that was, you know, Jim Kelly and that crew, you know, uh, I mean, so we, you know, I think he's on to something, man. So if we can continue to do that. That'll be good. It, it, it actually helps us too that Tom Brady got his ass out of, uh, true first time you guys swept the patriots since 93 yeah Yeah, man so he got out of there so that helps us a lot you know so cam newton's cam newton's done a great job of leading those guys to uh whatever place they're in right now but uh (laughs) we're uh 
We're getting it done at a high level. What a backhand compliment. He's done a great job leading them to wherever they are. Well, he's he's done a great job leading them to six and nine. Six and nine. Six and nine. Man, (laughs) Belichick has me rolling over in his grave right now, man. You got bragging rights all over all your friends, I imagine. Jamar, Washington football team fan. Oh, so no, 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 so no, 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 no. So Demar Johnson is not a Washington football team fan. He is a New York Giants fan. Oh, even better. Even better. Kenny Satterfield is a uh, Philadelphia Eagles fan. This is all, this is correct. So I'm from Buffalo. I'm a Buffalo Bills guy. DJ's from D.C., but he loves the Giants. Kenny's from New York, but he loves Philly. Steve Logan is chewing through to his, uh, to his Cleveland Browns. But Logan, I don't know if you follow guys follow Logan on Twitter, man. Logan does a lot of crying about Mayfield, man. I mean, come on, man. Johnny, the guy Johnny Menzel 2.0, man. They're never going to win anything with him at the helm. I talked to Logan last night. I said, Lo, I seen you on Twitter. I was going to comment, but I let it go. Stop crying about your Browns, man. <laughs> you need to help us get Logan on so we can talk about the hashtag retire 22 movement. <laughs> no, I, I definitely, I definitely helped that, man. Logan's had a, Logan's, uh, you know, he's had some health stuff going on. I'll let him tell you guys about that, but he'll, I'll get him on the show, man. That's my brother, man. I love him to death. Another, another storyline that we got to take focus on. How about Kenyon Martin and Jermaine Tate's son both playing for the Houston Rockets? Yeah. How about that? And, and how about Jermaine Tate's other son passing on the Bearcats? We could have used him this season. We definitely needed him. How do we not close that? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we definitely needed to close that, man. Tate, Tate, Tate and Kenyon, still brothers. I mean, we talk about this every day. Me, Demar, Kenny, all of us. When we came in as 18-year-old kids, we're all 38, 39, 40 years old now. You know, Kenyon and those guys are older. But who would have thought that we would still be as close as we are at this age, man? It is it, – we're still brothers. We still love – I mean, we love each other to death. We talk 10, 20 times a day in our group text. I mean, it's just it's just unbelievable to see, man. It gives me goosebumps, man. It is it is actually really cool to see how close you guys remain to this day. Uh, yeah. It gives me give me give me some faith in humanity. It's it's nice to see the Bearcat Brotherhood continue on. And I actually I saw the highlights from Tate on the Rockets. He actually I think dunked all over someone the other night. I yeah, that was uh, that was Jokic. That was Jokic. He dunked he, left hand, left hand. Yeah. Like I didn't man. realize I didn't realize that Jermaine that was Jermaine Tate's son. I thought his only I thought he only had one son and that that son was playing at Arkansas. So uh, he's Jay got Sean, two yeah, high Jay level Sean. basketball playing sons. For sure, two high level basketball playing sons, man. Jay Sean is uh is doing well, man. He he's getting it done and again. You know, he's there, Kenya Martin, KJ's there. So it's good to see those two on the same team. I mean, how I mean, let's talk about serendipity. I mean, those two to be together on the same team when their dads played in college at a high level together is uh it's just unbelievable, man. So, you know, kudos to everyone, man. It's just it's good to see, man. You know, it's good to see that, you know, the names are still in the fray and everyone's still competing. You know, the kids are competing. I mean, it is it's 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 great to see, man. I mean, I, I was, you know, when KJ was born, I was around Kenyon when KJ was a kid, man, to see him now fulfill his dream in the NBA. Same thing with uh with Tate when his son was born. I mean, to see these things kind of manifest man is uh is, is great man it just lets you know man how you know how, how special the world is man you know the k when kj got drafted that was really cool to see because he basically bet on himself last season he he sure. chose to forego college he didn't go that route i think there were some people kind of poking fun at it really and kind of saying right. it's not going to happen here he can't play at this level 
sure enough, he's getting drafted in the second round. He's on the Houston Rockets roster. And yeah. if you're talking about feeling old, watching you know your favorite player get drafted number one in 2000, and then 20 years later, his son is getting drafted. That will make you feel old. Man, talk, feeling old. So I'm going to give you a quick story. I'm in Denver. I'm in Denver. I'm at Kenyon's house in Denver. I'm asleep on the couch. Kenyon has two of the biggest bull mastiffs in the history, like a two lions, basically, right? I'm terrified of these dogs. So I'm asleep on the couch. KJ opens the door and lets the two bull mastiffs in. So I've got a Kenyon's got a massive house now, a big house. There was no way I could, hey, Kenyon, I couldn't scream or yell. He wouldn't have heard me for days, right? So I'm my eyes are closed. I'm playing possum. The dog is licking me in the face, breathing on me. And I'm just, I mean, this is like Laura Croft Tomb Raider, two, two crazy dogs. So the dogs run back outside. I hop up, lock the door, close the door, and I look at KJ. Anytime KJ did anything when he was younger, the first words out of his mouth was, my dad told me to do it because he knew that everyone was scared of his dad. So he would just say, my dad told me to do it, man. So to uh. so watch him get drafted, man, was just, was unbelievable, man. I've been out there with Kenyon a couple times in LA, driven him into practice, man. But uh that's Kenyon's my big brother. I love him to death, man. Love Jermaine Tate. So it's good to see their kids, man, doing great things. Very cool. Well, I appreciate the time again, Leonard. It's great to talk to you again. Any last things you wanted to make sure we talked about before we uh let you go here today? No, just you know, just appreciative of you guys, man, and your support constantly at the Bearcat program, man. It's always good to to see you guys, follow you guys on you know Twitter. Instagram, man. So it's always good, you know, keep up the good work that you guys are doing. You know, we'll turn this thing around. I got all the faith in the world of Coach Brennan. Um, love him to death. Love his impact. Love, you know, the embrace of former players that he's in his support. Um, what we need to talk about is a lot of the guys who are coming back in their degrees, James White, a lot of guys under Coach Brennan. So he's, you know, he's really put his flag for that program for the, for the guys that haven't um, had their degrees to come back and get them. Um, so, you know, kudos to the athletic department over there, football and basketball. Um, and hopefully we can get basketball to get back and reign supreme and match what the football team is doing, man. But, uh, you know, just again, man, just positive and just love all my Bearcat fans and the Bearcat fans out there continue to support. And I think we'll be fine. I love it. So then I... one, one more thing, then one more thing. How hard are you guys lobbying Jamal Lucas to bring Jordan brand back, back to the cast now that Under Armour is essentially out? We would love that, man. We would love that. But I think Mike is going to um, <laughs> want us to win some games, man. <laughs> yeah, we That's a get great point. Yeah. yeah, we got to get more TV coverage. We got to win some games, man. So the sooner the better, man. So, hey, guys, get busy, man. We need we need this Jordan brand to come back. Although if the Charlotte Hornets can wear Jordan, Jordan brand, maybe the Bearcats can too. Well, Mike owns the Hornets, though, you know? <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, I, I, did, I did forget to say we've had a, a new guest recurring recently, and he wanted to say hi to you. Corey Sims wanted to, to say hi to, uh, what did you say, Larry? I think you said Larry Stokes. Larry, Larry Stokes. Corey, <laughs> hi, Corey. I'm going to text Corey as soon as I get off here. I won't be telling him hi when I text him, though. What's, but, the, <laughs> what's the story behind Larry Stokes? So we've got a, we've got a, um, a frat that we're in, um, kind of honorary thing that we're in, and we were at the Huck um, at the house uh, one day, and um, – uh, you know, just speaking candidly because I love you guys. I'm one of the only African-American guys in the joint. And uh, we were drinking some beers. 
And the girl lost her chug off to a, another guy. And I laughed. And the guy, the girl turns around because we're all laughing. And she goes, you know what? You think you're so funny? Everyone in here is coming up to you, talking to you because you're some hot shot. Screw you, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> so hence the name Larry. Has, that has stuck with me since. The moniker, that is my new name to my to my guy. So oh, him, that's Rob, Thornton, Rob Thornton, a lot of those guys, Corey, they all call me Larry now, man. So oh, those are my so brothers, good. though. I love them. Love those guys. Those are my brothers, man. So good. Well, we appreciate it, Larry. Uh, we'll talk to you again <laughs> soon. Be well, Leonard Stokes. Uh, we appreciate Always, you man. on the Cincinnati podcast. Yeah, thanks. Thank Take you, guys. Take it easy, man. Later.